Chapter 9. Blood. Jake felt good. Incredibly good, in fact. The sensations that came from facing down certain death and coming out on top were wonderful. He didn't notice the weird look Jacob was giving him, nor did he notice that the other people in his group had made their way over, though some of them quickly turned right back around when they saw the scene. Among the new arrivals, Caroline looked at Jake with a mix of concern and fear. "'Are you hurt? There is so much blood,' she said in a quiet voice. She looked pale as she stared at the image of Jake standing beside a man full of arrows, the blood gleaming as it reflected the moonlight. "'I'm good. None of it is mine,' Jake said this casually, with a light smile. It was hoping to finish up any potential conversation so he could move on to more important things. He had gotten several system notifications that he was more than eager to get to. "'Oh, okay,' she answered tentatively. Caroline didn't seem inclined to ask any more questions, while Jacob looked like he had something to say but chose not to. Jake gladly took the opportunity to extricate himself when no one else spoke up. I'm going to go sit down and check my status messages. There are no more enemies as far as I can tell, so relax, everyone. He considered if he should tell them they could go back to sleep. He decided not to, as he had serious doubts anyone felt like sleeping right now. He sure as hell didn't. His spirits were way too high. Jake walked to the bonfire, which was still burning bright as ever, sat down on the same log he had used as a lookout earlier in the night, and finally opened his notifications window to a slew of messages. You have slain human, G, level 3, warrior, medium, level 7, bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level, 478 TP earned. You have slain human, G, level 2, warrior, heavy, level 5, bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level, 340 TP earned. You have slain human, G, level 2, archer, level 4, bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level, 294 TP earned. Ding! Class Archer has reached level 4. Stat points allocated. Plus 1 free point. Ding! Race Human G has reached level 2. Stat points allocated. Plus 1 free point. Ding! Class Archer has reached level 5. Stat points allocated. Plus 1 free point. He had won not because of his stats, but purely due to how he fought. They were amateurs, and Jake doubted they'd even used all their skills during the fight. Besides the medium warrior using that glowing sword, he hadn't noticed anything else. Then again, they were all low-level, and it wasn't like skills actually had any real visual prompt from what he had seen so far. In fact, he wondered if he should be surprised that the guy had a skill to make his sword glow like that to begin with. Looking at his gains from the fight, the stat points and levels were nice, but the real gains came in the next few notifications, though they were a bit different from any earlier ones. Bloodline detected. Processing. Bloodline analyzed. Bloodline awakened. Bloodline of the primal hunter. Bloodline ability, unique. Dormant power lies in the very essence of your being, a unique innate ability awakened in the bloodline of the newly initiated human, Jake Thane, enhances innate instincts, enhances the ability to perceive your surroundings, Enhances perception of danger, plus 5% to perception. A new skill had been unlocked. Or was it an ability? He was clueless as to what the whole bloodline business was about. His family background was nothing extraordinary, as average as one could be, 
and yet he apparently possessed an innate ability tied to it. Not that he was going to complain just because he was a bit confused. The effects of the ability were, in Dake's honest opinion, awesome. It also explained why he had these weird senses that none of the others seemed to have. More amazing was that the description even included his name. That was kind of cool in its own right. Right? What he gathered from his own experiences, along with the description of the ability, was that it had four effects. The first one was the enhancement of instincts. Without a doubt, this was the explanation behind his performance in combat and the occasionally supernatural reaction time he possessed. His ability to react was way beyond what his stats should allow him, and the reason why he, at times, felt like his body couldn't keep up with what he wanted it to do. The second part of the ability was the one to perceive his surroundings. The 360-degree perception he had experienced during the fight made him act as if he had eyes in his back. He could not explain at all how it worked. He just knew where everything was. Even now it was still active. He felt the bonfire's flickering flames and every particle of smoke that entered the air. He knew of the log beneath him, how it had a small part of it inside that was hollow, and every single blade of grass around it. His understanding improved whenever he focused on it, but it was passively making him aware of roughly everything around himself, especially any movements. It was all vague, however, and the rain seemed only to be a few meters. He could not sense the others, as they were still at the corpses ten or so meters away. He estimated the range to be perhaps five or six meters. Too low for scouting, but invaluable in combat. Third on the list was the perception of danger. That part was rather self-explanatory, honestly. It was the prickling sensation he felt whenever something dangerous was headed his way, the feeling in his gut that something dangerous was lurking ahead. That part alone was great, but what made this part of the ability incredibly strong was the synergy with two other effects. His perception of the area around him allowed him to perceive the nature of the danger, and his enhanced instincts allowed him to make a split-second reaction. The fourth and final part was a 5% stat bonus to perception. While certainly valuable, he saw it as rather inconsequential compared to the other effects. He didn't doubt it would prove more beneficial as he got more stat points, and the bonus started adding up, though. The entire scale seemed far stronger than anything else. Archer's eye was also a perception-based skill, but compared to his bloodline of the primal hunter, it was borderline useless for anything other than scouting. Even with the ability itself being so awesome, it didn't come alone, bringing even more benefits. Title earned, Bloodline Patriarch. Unlock a unique bloodline ability. The power found in the origin of your records are yours, and yours alone to wield and pass down throughout the multiverse. May your bloodline prevail plus 15 vitality, plus 10% to vitality. This one was massive in a few different ways. The description of the title was quite something in itself, especially compared to his only other title, which was just a matter-of-fact statement that he was now part of the multiverse and new to it. This one instead talked about something called records, whatever the hell that was. Even the name of the title felt quite a bit more impactful. Bloodline Patriarch? It was indicating that he was the forefather of the bloodline and that it was his alone. Did this mean that the rest of his family didn't also possess it? Was he just the first one to unlock it? The thought of his family still alive briefly entered his mind, but he suppressed the thought. Now wasn't the time to get sentimental. 
The description and stat points granted by the title indicated the system's desire for him to survive and thereby allow the bloodline to live on. And oh boy, the stats. A massive plus 15 vitality, instantly making it his highest stat, only made better by another 10% straight on top. Looking at his stats, he found they had gone through quite a development from the low ups ability and title. Status, name, Jake Thane, race, human, G, level 2, class, archer, level 5, profession, N.A., health points, HP, 302 of 310, mana points, MP, 123 of 130, stamina, 144 of 170, stats, strength, 18, agility, 19, endurance, 17, vitality, 31, toughness, 12, wisdom, 13, intelligence, 13, perception, 28, willpower, 11, 3 points, 3. His stats had seen a massive growth, which made him smile widely. He did frown a bit, however, as he began to question his vitality being at 31. According to his quick math, he should have 29 vitality before the plus 10%, having been at 13 the last time he checked. After that, he had gotten plus one point from his race leveling up, and plus 15 from the title. With plus 10%, he should be at 31.9, and yet it only showed 31 and not 32. Did it only show whole numbers rounded down? Jake had three free points, so instead of thinking further on it, he simply allocated a single point, and saw it instantly jump from 31 to 33. So, only whole numbers rounded down. Got it, he thought, nodding internally. As for his last two points, he decided to do another experiment. His stamina was at 144 of 170, being higher than his maximum was when he'd woken up earlier in the night. What Jake wanted to know was how increasing the maximum of a resource affected the current amount available. He allocated a free point to endurance, leaving him with one left for later. He saw his stamina jump to 154 of 180, adding a static 10 points to both maximum and current. Does this mean you could potentially have infinite stamina with enough repeated level-ups? Jake wondered, though he did admit the scenario of that happening was quite far-fetched. For the last free point, he was unsure how to distribute it, so he just let it be for now. The last subject of his lengthy list of system messages was the result of reaching level 5 in his Archer class. Archer class skill available. Jake mentally acknowledged that he wanted to browse class skills, and a big list appeared before him. To his surprise, a huge number of weapon skills showed up. Basic two-handed weapons, inferior. Basic shield technique, inferior. Basic unarmed, inferior. Basic throwing weapons, inferior, and so on and so forth. The only ones he did not seem to have were the magic-related ones. Quite honestly, Jake was not interested in any of them whatsoever. He was more than happy with his already once-upgraded advanced archery, common, and he still had the basic one-handed weapons, inferior, in case things got dicey, and he was forced into melee as he had been in the last fight. This left him with only three options available at the bottom. Basic trapping, inferior. The archer is not limited to direct combat, but can also use his tactical prowess to emerge victorious, unlocks proficiency using basic traps and knowledge of how to construct them, adds a minuscule bonus to stat effects on traps based on the nature of said trap. Basic stealth, inferior. The deadliest predator is the one not seen coming, 
unlocks basic proficiency in the art of stealth, allowing you to remain undetected more easily and blend into the environment, adds a minuscule bonus to the effect of agility and perception when successfully remaining undetected. Basic tracking, inferior. The first objective of any hunt is to find your prey, unlocks basic proficiency in tracking entities you are familiar with, must be identifiable tracks available, adds a minuscule bonus to the effect of perception when tracking. All of them were just more basic proficiency skills. Thinking back to the two melee ambushers earlier, both had been over level 5 in their classes. He would not at all be surprised if they both had the basic stealth skill, considering how close he'd gotten to them, while they'd managed to remain hidden. Though the first warrior had a glowing weapon, so he must have gotten a skill to do that. Yeah, that made Jake a bit jealous. Good riddance, that lucky guy was dead. He saw value in all of them, but he did not see himself setting up a large number of traps, especially not with his bloodline ability. He very much wanted the tracking skill, and he did consider taking it to track down where the three attackers had come from. But ultimately, he decided on basic stealth, inferior. He could imagine the synergy with his bloodline ability, allowing him to attack his foes before they would ever get a chance to strike back. The fact that it also scaled with both agility and perception only made it all the better. The fight had made him realize how little he had accomplished since he got into the tutorial. They were all higher level than him, with the medium warrior being level 7 in his class, more than twice what he had been. He had already decided that he would need to go hunting. He picked the skill and felt the same feeling as when he'd gotten his class the first time. This time, it was far weaker, though. It gave him something he wasn't quite sure if he could call knowledge, but he still instinctively understood it. Maybe it was due to his bloodline ability, but he doubted it. Either way, he now knew how to sneak a bit better than before. It was a small, subtle thing, and far from a complete guide on becoming a master thief. Closing all the menus, he felt very satisfied with himself, though perhaps a bit sad that getting a new skill was so anticlimactic. No ability to shoot laser beams or to shoot down the eight suns with eight arrows was gained. Jake finally got up from the log and stretched his back. The smell of iron instantly reminded him that he was still covered in blood, or more accurately, his cloak and face were covered. He took off his cloak, saying that his shirt and pants underneath were spared from the torrent of blood. Quickly he sprinted down to the small river nearby, cleansed his face, and sprinted back up to the camp once more, the entire trip taking less than a minute. As he felt refreshed, he also began to feel oddly naked. He immediately realized that he had no weapons on him whatsoever. His knife had been disarmed, and his bow had been hacked into. He saw that the others were still over at the corpses, and Jake started walking over. He first got to the dead archer and picked up the bow he had dropped, noting that it was identical to his old one, the only difference being that this one was undamaged. While picking up the bow, he couldn't help looking at the dead archer and the arrows still sticking out of him. The blood had long stopped seeping out, but the man's eyes were still wide open, showing visible horror. Jake looked at him as he stopped. He looked over at the other corpses, the man with his sword still stuck in his skull and the other lying in a pool of his own blood. At the same time, he saw the looks everyone gave him. It wasn't the same look of blame for causing Joanna's injuries like before. It was one of fear. 
That was when it struck him far later than it should have. The attackers were humans. He had just murdered three human beings. Chapter 10 Reflection and Frustration Murder, killing, homicide. The act of taking another human's life has as many names in society. No matter the name assigned, it is a crime, it is immoral, and even if morals were completely ignored, the act of removing another member from society is, in most cases, a detriment to said society. The act of ending another life is innately abhorrent to humans, and even if the act is 100% justified, it will often leave the killer traumatized by the experience. In many comics, the moment a hero kills a villain, he becomes a villain himself. It is seen as a turning point for the character, his or her fall to the dark side. These were just some of the thoughts bouncing around in Jake's head as he was sitting on the grass, staring down at the ground, reflecting on his feelings of what had transpired that night. He had killed not just one, but three people. Logically, he knew that it was self-defense. They had tried to kill him, so he killed them instead. It was justified, and in many countries could even be considered legal. Heck, it could even be argued that he was in a situation comparable to a war zone, making the laws of war apply, in which case he had simply killed enemy combatants. Even if he got over the fact that he had killed them, though, the way he had done so couldn't be ignored. He had not thought of the ferocity of his actions during the fight, but as he saw the corpses, it couldn't be clearer how brutal he had been, especially with the archer. He had pinned him down and simply kept stabbing him over and over with arrows until he finally stopped moving. It was a textbook example of excessive force. The acts of brutality could perhaps be explained by Jake's inexperience in combat, the adrenaline pumping through him as he fought, and his enhanced instincts taking charge, but what he could not explain away was how he'd felt while doing it, and after. He'd felt nothing when he killed them. It was like he was just checking off three items on a list as he ended their lives one by one. After the fighting, the only thing he'd felt was euphoria. He had never felt better, more alive. The relief, feeling of superiority, and overpowering sensation of winning were just too intense, too addicting. If the feeling was due to his enhanced instincts, as he suspected, that meant his base instinct, him at the very core of his being, enjoyed killing. No, that's wrong, he corrected himself. He had not felt any pleasure from killing the badgers, and he hadn't felt any particularly strong emotions after the big boar either. He'd only felt contentment after that. He did not enjoy the simple act of killing. He enjoyed the hunt, the challenge of the kill. He enjoyed the feeling of winning over his foe. Jake had never been the confrontational or aggressive type. In fact, he strived to avoid conflict whenever possible. But he enjoyed a challenge. He enjoyed pushing himself to his limits and trying to improve, throwing his entire being into something and striving for the top. It was why he had managed to get so good at archery. It was how he had managed to graduate as one of the best in his class. Not because he was particularly smart, he just liked to see the number on his test score go up, so he slaved away to make it happen. He remembered one of his professors describing him as driven and ambitious. Jake wasn't sure if he agreed with either of those, but he did enjoy picking hard fights and coming out on top. 
What people misunderstood, though, was that it wasn't because of the rewards for the challenge. He did it for the challenge itself. The outcome wasn't necessarily relevant. That was how he felt about the fight that had ultimately resulted in the death of three human beings, too. He felt like the outcome, their deaths, was ultimately irrelevant. It was the process of the fight that was his goal, and not the death of the three of them. It was just the unavoidable result of a life-and-death battle, which was the root of his problem. After reflecting on his emotions and boiling everything down, he came to the realization that he just didn't care much. Be they human or beast, in the end they were just challenges to overcome. The only feeling of remorse or regret he'd felt so far in this tutorial was when Joanna got hurt. Even then, Jake knew that he thought it was her own fault more so than his. A part of him hated feeling that, but when he thought the scenario over, he just couldn't find anyone else to blame but her. She could not have tripped to begin with. As a caster, she could have at least tried to use the mana barrier that they'd already established all casters had. Freezing up right after tripping sure hadn't helped her chances either. If she hadn't, rolling out of the way of the charge would have been more than possible. If all those failed, she could at least have managed to avoid getting a limb trampled off so they could fix it up with a potion like the other leg. In other words, if it had been him in her position during the fight, he wouldn't have ended up losing a leg. But it had happened, and she was now just a burden. He and everyone else in the group were aware of it, but no one truly wanted to voice it out. Leaving her behind was no different than leaving her to die. None of them wanted that on their conscience, and no one wanted to leave a colleague and a friend behind, not even Jake, despite his annoyance at her. But at the same time, he couldn't stay like this forever. He finally realized he did not fit in with the group, likely a bit late in retrospect. They were corporate workers, civilians in every sense of the word. The only fighting any of them had ever participated in was sports like boxing. He doubted any one of their entire group had ever even been in a bar fight or something similar, except for one person. Bertram did stand out. He'd been decisive and strong even before the tutorial. He handled his shield and sword well, and he didn't hesitate when attacking. The man had the eyes and demeanor of a fighter and was, without a doubt, the strongest person in the group except for Jake, but he was tethered to Jacob. Comparing their ragtag group of office workers to the ones he had killed was night and day. While still amateurs with their weapons, the ambushers that attacked him had been far from new to fighting. They'd had a plan of attack, a damn good one, in his opinion, and they'd had the guts to fight. They'd had the courage to take on the lookout of a group of ten with only three people. Their hope had likely been to kill him quickly before he'd even had time to wake up the others, then proceed to wipe out their entire camp before they could muster a counterattack. Their levels also spoke to their proficiency. They had either dared to hunt down beasts or other humans to get their level, meaning they had fought most of the time since entering the tutorial. They'd just been unlucky to encounter Jake as the lookout. If it had been anyone else, chances were that the majority of their group would be dead now. Comparing those three to his own party just felt sad. They would likely have lost several people to that big boar, if not been wiped out completely if Jake had not been there. Maybe they would even have suffered injuries from the first group of badgers. They were weak, not just in fighting strength, but also resolve. He realized that this line of thought was a spiraling black hole of negativity, but he had to acknowledge it. If his instinct, his natural disposition, was to enjoy hunting and overcoming challenges, 
that he could only see himself driven completely mad by suppressing those desires. He finally looked up from the grass, having found a semblance of resolve. He would hunt, and he would grow stronger. The others were still talking over at the two warriors' corpses, and Jake could hear their discussions, which seemed to mainly revolve around who the attackers were, where they'd come from, and if there were more of them. Jake looked at them. They were his friends, his colleagues, and in the case of Caroline, his crush. He wanted them to live from the bottom of his heart. In order to make that happen, he needed power. He had won today, but would he win tomorrow? What if there had been more attackers? What if they had been higher level, where he had made a mistake? His bloodline ability was far from flawless. It did not grant him omniscience, but merely faster and more appropriate reactions during combat. Take the medium warrior's attack, where his blade had been coated in the red gleam. His instinct had no warning of it, and he'd ended up disarmed and nearly dead. The strike hadn't been a danger to him directly, as it hadn't been aimed at his body, only his knife. It had been an attack to disarm him, and his natural instincts couldn't recognize a complex attack like that. He also needed to think more while fighting, and merge instinct and logic. With his resolve steeled, he walked over to the rest of the group, save for Lena, who was still beside Joanna. Jake, can you tell us what happened? Jacob asked, as he saw him walking over. Everyone seemed to avoid looking at the corpses, which was perfectly understandable. It was equally understandable that they avoided looking at the killer. Yeah, I was keeping watch when I heard... He explained exactly what had happened, and he saw the concern on Jacob's face as he described the ambush. The concern only seemed to grow into confusion as he described how he had turned the situation around. But why would they attack us without reason? Caroline asked. Experience, equipment, and tutorial points, Jake answered promptly. He then went on to explain the points he had gotten, along with the levels. He purposely left out the whole bloodline thing, though. The fact that one of the assailants had been level seven came as a big shock to them. As the strongest of them, Bertram was still only level two in his class after the boar kill. But to just murder someone, Caroline mumbled, as she instantly gave Jake a mixed look. It was self-defense, Caroline, Jacob said, coming to Jake's aid. He, we, have no choice but to defend ourselves. He may have saved us all. Please don't blame him for that. We may need to reconsider our strategy for... As the others kept talking, mainly filled with concern for the future, Jake went over and picked up the knife he had dropped when the medium warrior attacked him with the glowy weapon skill. As he picked it up, he also finally solved the mystery of what had been thrown at him when they first jumped him. He saw a dead badger with the arrow he had shot stuck in it. It had been dead before he even hit it, with what looked like a long sword cut across its stomach, something he presumed had been the cause of its death to begin with. He doubted he would get tricked like that again with his new sphere of perception, the name he'd settled on for his new spherical vision. Tuning back into the ongoing conversation of his colleagues, he wasn't exactly pleased. The group discussion seemed to steer toward finding a safe place to hide and wait the tutorial out, only fighting when absolutely necessary or to get food. As Jake listened, he started getting more and more pissed off. Was he really the only one who had any grasp of the situation they were in? 
He finally snapped as he started speaking in a voice far louder than any one of them was used to, using enough curse words that it would demand a call from HR. Wake the fuck up, people. This entire fucking tutorial is focused on killing. Oh, and it is called a buddy tutorial, as in training. What do you people think it's a tutorial for? A nice corporate office job? Or, I don't know, maybe somewhere even more fucked up than this place? What do you guys think is more probable? The world has changed, and you all need to get your asses moving and adapt if you want to survive. Jake got winded toward the end, everyone just staring at him with wide eyes. He was perfectly aware that the outburst was entirely out of character. He just had enough. He had resolved that he wanted them to live, that he wanted them to make it through this tutorial in one piece, and they wanted to hide in a hole in the ground for over two months? A single person who had fought just a little during the tutorial would be able to wipe them out easily in just a few days if they didn't gain any strength. A random beast could come upon them and kill them too. Jake did not like to have the thought, but he was confident that the current hem could take down all of them single-handedly in an ambush, just picking them off one by one with arrows from a distance. What do you suggest we do? Bertram asked as he stepped up. He had been the bravest and most confident by far in the group, not including Jate. He had walked in front, and he had even selected a class during the introduction that allowed him to defend others. The tone in his voice was not one of anger or confrontation, but sincerity. I suggest you do whatever you need to level up and survive this shit, Jake said. Even if you don't want to fight other people, you at least need the strength to defend yourself when they want to fight you. In other words... Hunt beasts. Get experience. Get power. Do what the system wants you to. I agree with Jake, Casper said, as he also joined the conversation. We need to learn how to fend for ourselves. What if Jake had not been on watch, but someone else? What if they had come a couple of hours earlier? Would you be confident in fighting three people at once who were all above you in level, Dennis? Dennis shook his head, clear that he would likely be a corpse on the ground right now, had the watch plan been different. Jake hoped that his outburst could be a wake-up call for all of them. He didn't want to just leave them and go be on his own. He was afraid of the consequences of that. They couldn't survive on their own as they were now. He gave them space to think it over as he excused himself from the group and went to check the corpses, starting with the two dead warriors. He knelt on the ground and started rummaging through their satchels. If he and his colleagues had gotten six potions at the tutorial's start... So had these people. He quickly took the satchels off the corpses and looked inside. Both had quite a number of potions in them, a mix of stamina, health, and mana. The presence of the mana potions confirmed that these three had either been a part of a team with casters or healers who died, or they had killed casters or priests. He personally leaned toward the latter. There was a total of fourteen health, eight stamina, and five mana potions, also counting the contents of the dead archer's satchel. He turned to the group once more, who had simply stared at him as he looted. It was still dark, but the fire from makeshift porches they had brought over made the scene well lit. The problem was that the forest was still too dark to leave. They would have to wait for morning before they could do anything. For now, try and get some more rest, Jake said. And it's still my turn to sit look out, so I will. Get some energy. Tomorrow, we hunt. Then he sat down on his log once more, doubting any of them would get even a wink of sleep. Chapter 11 
friend or foe. Jake kept his promise of being on the lookout for the rest of the night. It turned out to only be a couple of uneventful hours until the artificial sun rose once more. Looking on as the scrambling group got up and gathered their things, he seriously doubted they had gotten any sleep at all. Their current campsite was compromised, and they had no clue if more enemies would come, so they needed to find somewhere new. Their entire initial plan of finding water and food and all the usual survival craft turned out to be a damn waste of time. While they still needed food and water, they needed levels far more, so sitting in one spot was just stupid. They got packed up, and Jake was surprised to see even Joanna up and about with a makeshift wooden leg. It was essentially just a big stick of wood bound to her thigh and what was left of her leg. It looked uncomfortable and certainly not fit for any big movements, but he saw determination and grit to keep going on her face. Jake felt respect for the woman as she refused help, and they started walking. They moved further away from the huge wall in the distance. Jake had a theory, based on where the pillars had been and the wall only being visible behind them, that this entire place had a spherical design. The fake celestial bodies also indicated a dome shape. Moving inwards toward the center of the dome would hopefully allow them to find more beasts. They had been very sparse in the outer area, after all. It took little time before they came across another group of beasts. This time it was a group of deer-like creatures, the very same that the badgers had been eating on the first day. There were seven of them total, and after using Identify, he found them to be between level two and four, with the biggest among them at level five. Jake decided not to interfere, first of all because he was not sure how much experience killing lower-leveled enemies would give, and also because the entire purpose of this exercise was for everyone to build fighting experience. They started once more, forming a long, elaborate plan, but Jake shut them down real hard and told them to get their shit together and move. They had three casters and an archer, plenty of ranged firepower to take down some of them before the fight would even truly begin. Jake had given them all the potions he had looted the day before, so they were more than covered in that department. He did keep the stamina potions, though, as they were rather unnecessary for his colleagues at this point, and Jake had a theory he wanted to test out, something for a more opportune time. The fight went rather easy, as Jake had predicted. Bertram easily tanked the biggest deer, and even an additional one, while Theodore, Jacob, and Dennis took on one each. The final two deer-like things had already been killed or disabled by the initial barrage, making the fight effectively five versus nine, with Jake not participating. Theodore managed to kill his deer quite easily, it was only level two, by landing a swipe on its neck, cutting it open. His style was a bit reserved and defensive, but he had a good build and didn't lack confidence. He was also rather good in spotting openings, and Jake was even fairly sure he saw him throw in a feint. Dennis took a bit longer with his two daggers cutting away at the beast. He was by far the fastest in the group besides Jake, and he also used his active ability, which allowed him to have small bursts of speed here and there. He did hesitate a bit and clearly didn't like fighting, but he got the job done nevertheless. In Jake's honest opinion, Jacob was the worst combatant in their group by quite a margin. He panicked nearly instantly when the beast got close and just swung his sword back and forth. The casters did decently, with Joanna having the worst accuracy, which Jake could honestly not blame her for, considering her circumstances. 
Ahmed was by far the best, having quite the accuracy and aiming for vital spots, with Lena falling somewhere in between. Caroline had little to do during the actual fight, as her healing skill was touch-based, but she was fast to call out potential dangers and even healed Jacob mid-combat at one point. She was surprisingly good. Casper was also decent, but Jake was kind of biased when it came to archery. His results did speak for themselves, though, as he did get in some good shots, even taking down one of the deer solo when they first engaged. The entire ordeal took only a couple of minutes, with the last opponents to die being the big deer that solely got whittled down by Bertram, taking its hits with his shield, and the casters and Casper shooting it to death. Jake did not get any credits for the kills, since he did not actively participate, confirming his suspicions that he had to do damage or contribute in some way in order to earn experience. His moral support and oversight did not seem to count as actual helping. The gains were also decent. Disregarding TP, they had a couple of level-ups, also resulting in race level-ups. This also truly confirmed the hypothesis that race leveled up every second level in the class. Without further ado, they moved on and ran into a couple of smaller groups of beasts over the next couple of hours. Jake only had to step in once when a rather large level 7 badger ran past Bertram, heading straight for Lena. However, it was easily killed by Jake with an arrow to one of its legs, followed by another that hit the thing in its right eye, likely penetrating the brain as the beast fell dead immediately. They did sustain some injuries, the most dangerous one being when Theodore took a nasty bite to one arm and had to drink a healing potion. The minor injuries, like scratches and such, were healed by Caroline after every fight. While she could not do much in combat, her healing was invaluable, as it allowed them to always stay in tough condition, and healing also seemed to remove any chance of infection in the wound, assuming that was still a thing. Oh, God, can bacteria get levels? Jake quickly threw this thought all the way to the back of his mind. Happy thoughts. Happy thoughts. While a healing potion could heal injuries, too, and in general worked way faster, they seemed to have some kind of cool-down. If you drank one, you couldn't drink one for the next hour. Why this was, they didn't know. Heck, they didn't even know why they knew. Theodore just said that he did right after drinking one. System magic or something. They did not know if there were adverse effects from drinking another, or if it just wouldn't work, and quite frankly, no one wanted to test it out. After another rather tough fight and a round of healing, everyone was getting tired, seeing as they had also passed their fourth hour since they set off in the morning. The last group they killed was a small group of the deer things again, so they decided to make camp and roast the things over a fire. They also found another small stream nearby, allowing everyone to rehydrate, Jake purposely did not eat or drink anything during this time. He wanted to test exactly how the health and stamina resources worked and their relation to daily necessities. He wanted to see if potions, primarily stamina potions, could counteract the need for sleep and sustenance, but that was for a time where he felt any actual hunger or need to sleep. They sat gathered around a small fire eating the roasted deer that, it had to be mentioned, was quite a bit better than badger meat. It was short-lived, however, as their peaceful break was interrupted when Jake heard what sounded like metal rubbing against metal. He got up from the log he had been sitting on and motioned to the rest of the group to get ready for a potential conflict. The source of the sounds was soon made clear 
as out of the bushes walked a large man in full metal armor, identical to Bertram's, also carrying a shield and sword. He was on the older side, and his late forties to early fifties, but his presence did not indicate any weakness due to age. Quite the group followed him. Jake counted fifteen, with more potentially hiding in the dense foliage behind them. They were mainly warriors, which made sense, since half of the basic classes were variants of the class. The rest were casters, with only one archer from what Jake could see, and not a single healer. Jake made quick eye contact with Jacob, which his former leader instantly understood as he went forward. While Jake certainly was the strongest in their group when it came to combat, he was likely the weakest when it came to negotiation, and while Jacob sucked in combat, he was top tier when it came to social interactions. The first one to speak was not Jacob, but the middle-aged warrior. Well, hello there. My name is Richard, he said in a friendly voice as he looked over their group, his eyes stopping on Caroline for a second. We saw the smoke from your fire and decided to investigate. No need to worry. We have no intention of fighting anyone. So, who might you people be? The man was quite well-spoken and had a relaxed expression on his face. Looking at the situation, Richard's group had them outnumbered by quite a margin. Jake had no confidence in fighting so many enemies whatsoever if things turned for the worse. If a fight did happen, it would either be a one-sided slaughter or him and his colleagues scattering like the wind, with likely only Jake making it safely away and the others being hunted down one by one. In other words, fighting was out of the question. It is good to see other humans at last. Jacob smiled brightly at the man as he stepped forward. My name is Jacob, and these are my colleagues from before this so-called tutorial. May I know why you have sought us out? We have no desire for any unnecessary conflicts either. Well, of course not. We humans are meant to stick together, the man answered with an exaggerated belly laugh, as he suddenly seemed to turn serious. My and two other groups, much like yours, have decided to team up in order to get through this purgatory that refers to itself as a tutorial. Of course, we need all the people we can have, so we would love for you and your friends to join us. Jake noticed how Jacob seemed to instantly catch on to how he used the term team up. It didn't take a genius to see that only a single leader existed in the group in front of them. Richard might have claimed it was a team up, but clearly it was simply assimilation. Jacob didn't let his thoughts show, but he kept smiling as he nodded. It's good to hear that other groups are also doing well out there. May I have a talk with my colleagues first? I'm sure you understand that a decision like this is best made unanimously. Of course, of course. Take your time. Despite Richard's agreement, Jacob was quite clear they were just words. They had to find a solution fast. Richard motioned for them to stay as his group allowed Jacob to retreat slightly, motioning for Jake and the others to do the same. During it all, Jake kept an eye on the other group in case they tried something. Richard shot a glance at the archer that had been standing at his side from the very beginning, and Jake noticed said archer going slightly forward, clearly intending to listen in with his high perception. His second-in-command? As they got a small distance away, Jacob turned his back to the other group and addressed them. What do you guys think of them? A bigger group would be safer. I think that their offer is... He kept talking positively of the offer, but when he looked around, he saw that Jake had knelt down and written some words on the ground with his fingers. They listen, 
Bad feeling. Careful. Jacob nodded, looking to have already expected it. That was likely why he kept his true thoughts hidden. Jacob promptly removed the words with his hand, acting like he was just dusting off his shoes. He continued speaking as he received reluctant looks from those around him. But we are familiar with each other, and we seem to function well as a team. There are also certain drawbacks to big groups, such as a higher need for food, and it may end up provoking some of the stronger beasts or something like that. The others had also seen Jake's scribbles and nodded along to what Jacob said. None of them seemed to like it, probably getting a bad vibe from Richard and his group. Jake saw the other archer out of the corner of his eye, subtly shaking his head at the middle-aged warrior, who frowned at the seemingly unexpected response. But the archer quickly wiped the frown off his face as he put on another smile and approached their group once more. I understand if you are reluctant, but working together is in the best interest of everyone here. It certainly is, but at this point Richard directly turned to Caroline, who stood at the back, and interrupted Jacob. Young lady, you would not happen to be a healer, would you? It would be greatly appreciated if you came with us. Caroline looked shocked and confused, but didn't manage to say anything before Richard turned back to Jacob and the rest of them. Your colleagues don't have to come, you know. They can, but you could also go with us alone, safety in numbers and all that. I can promise you an appropriate position in our group, and that we will do anything we can to keep you safe. There will, of course, also be levels of plenty. If you just come with us, I am sure we can solve this amicably. Even Jake, with his horrendous social skills, could interpret the undertone in that one. Chapter 12 A Splitting Provocation The mood of the conversation shifted, and the smile on Jacob's face was gone. Jake was also working in overdrive, analyzing the situation. Should he take them by surprise and shoot the man? Even if he tried, he had no confidence in landing the shot, and even if it did hit and somehow managed to kill him, chances were it would end badly if the other side retaliated, or more accurately, when they retaliated, as he seriously doubted they would just take getting their leader killed lying down. Caroline was also looking incredibly nervous at this point, hiding a bit behind Bertram, who had a stoic look on his face. The situation was tense, to say the least. She did not look at all like she wanted to respond positively to his invitation. Richard looked on as he flashed a light smile, but his eyes were still rather cold. The ones behind him also seemed to have tensed up too and had their hands close to their weapons. He finally started talking again, breaking the silence before they reached a breaking point. I'm just going to be honest with you all. Healers are scarce in this place. We had one, but he died within an hour of entering the tutorial. Three groups, thirty people, and only one fucking healer. He spat on the ground, clearly frustrated. So, young lady, I am serious when I say that you would be treated well. We need you far more than you need us. He turned back to Jacob again and continued. You agreed that we humans are meant to stick together, right? We have no healer. We have only a handful of healing potions. There are no medical supplies, no hospital, no doctors, no nothing. Does she not have a responsibility to help her fellow man? I want to solve this peacefully with everyone walking away happy, but I don't exactly have a choice here. We need a healer one way or another. We only need the healer. 
The rest of you are free to choose what you want to do. Just know that her joining us is non-negotiable. Not having a healer is just too risky in this place, and I have already lost too many good men and women unnecessarily. If you and your colleagues join us, you will be treated like everyone else. We will make hunting parties based on optimal setups, with a healer joining my own party, naturally. I can even promise that if you don't wish to fight, we offer protection as long as you contribute in other ways. Just think it over carefully. Richard seemed to be done talking as he gave them space once more. He had thrown the ball in their court, and now the question was just what to do. They could try and run, but they were clearly outnumbered and their levels too low. Jake had a feeling that the majority of the opposing party was at level five or above. He said they had run out of healing potions, which indicated that they had done plenty of fighting. Fighting is off the list. The second option was to join them. Jake did not like that option at all. He got a bad feeling from them. He did not doubt that Caroline would remain unharmed, but what about the rest of them? Would they be used as meat shields or what? They would clearly not allow them to act autonomously for fear of them leading with Caroline. The third option was just to hand her over. They would likely let them go, as while humans were worth hunting, they were far more dangerous than beasts in most cases. Additionally, they would have to try and not antagonize Caroline more than necessary. Jake doubted anyone would want a healer who wanted nothing more than to kill the people she healed, or worse, refuse to heal at all. Needless to say, Jake was not a fan of just handing her over. One reason was that they would end up with the same issue that Richard's group currently had. He was hesitant to voice his thoughts when Theodore started talking. Maybe we should just go with them. Imagine not having access to any kind of healing or medicine in this shithole. It would make even the best desperate. We don't even know them. Why are we taking an antagonistic position? Quite a few of the group members nodded, while others stayed silent. Jake could easily see Richard smiling in the other group, clearly approving of the direction their conversation was currently taking. Theodore did have a good point, though. They were clearly desperate. Who were they to reject helping the other group? Without a healer or health potions, a single bite or claw wound could become infected and fester, making even small scratches and injuries fatal. Jake also thought back to his own objective. He had decided that he wanted to try and help his colleagues learn how to fend for themselves. If they joined a larger group, they would be significantly safer from the beasts. According to Richard, Caroline, one of the few people Jake actually cared about, would be safe for sure. He did not doubt the middle-aged man when he guaranteed that he would do anything to protect her. Who would be stupid enough to piss off or kill a walking hospital in a forest filled with dangers? Jake, however, was not at all open to her going alone. It would leave the other eight without a healer. He also had serious doubts that Caroline would ever agree to leave them behind, especially not Jacob. As the discussion continued, Richard and his crew patiently waited, and the decision to join was slowly reached. But there were still reservations. How would they be treated? Would they be considered outsiders? What reason would Richard have to keep them around after already getting his hands on Caroline? The predominant fear was that they would be treated more like hostages than members. Jake had said nothing so far. He had kept silent, listening and taking in the conversation. Richard seemed not to care what they thought as long as they joined. No, Jake needed insurance. He needed something that would keep them safe and treated well. He had no intention of joining either way. He had decided to go his own way last night already. 
He needed strength and he needed power. And he did need power. He could feel himself becoming restless from not progressing. It would be foolish not to grasp an opportunity to rise above what he currently was. More importantly, he also wanted to. He wanted to hunt, fight, and encounter challenges. And he would not be able to do that if he stayed with any group. Jake thought of his desire to hunt. He thought back to right after he had killed the three attackers the day before, and the feeling of accomplishment and fulfillment, the feeling of power. Basking in the feeling, he channeled his bloodline as a faux smile of never-ending confidence appeared on his lips. Richard, is it? What's your level? he asked in a calm voice. Richard looked over at them, truly noticing Jake for the first time, a young, inconspicuous man completely covered in the cloak given out to all archers. He surely saw nothing remarkable until he looked at Jake's face. His eyes were practically glowing, and he had a confident smile with a trace of excitement hidden deep beneath. Not a single sign of fear or worry evident, almost as if he wanted a fight to break out. I am level nine in my class, and we have a couple of others in our group at level seven and above, Richard answered truthfully, seemingly not afraid of sharing it. The ones before him had clearly been office workers or something similar before this tutorial. The only odd one out was Jake, who must have given him a bit of a different feeling. Either way, they had leveled from entering until now, only resting for a few hours. They had played it safe due to not having a healer, but Richard probably doubted a single individual could outmatch them. He probably also doubted the man was actually strong, as his colleagues couldn't hide their confused looks at how he acted. And who might you be? You're level two, if you don't mind. Jake looked back at him with a small sigh of disappointment. It was not an act, either. He had genuinely hoped that the man was stronger. From what he had seen, level ten seemed to be a power spike for monsters, and humans might experience something similar. Well, that's slightly disappointing. I was hoping for you to be stronger, Jake said. As for my name and level, I am Mr. Eat Shit, and I am level go fuck yourself. Richard's smile faded significantly. Jacob, Caroline, and all the others were gobsmacked at what the hell Jake was doing, openly provoking the man. Especially how Jake kept up that weird, daring demeanor, despite them being outnumbered so badly. I thought we were close to reaching an agreement here, Richard asked, more than a little annoyed at the unexpected development. Who was this archer that he hadn't even bothered noticing before? What gave him confidence? Oh, fairly sure they're joining you, but I am not, Jake said, still smiling at the man as he walked closer to Richard and his camp. I have bigger prey to hunt. As he got closer, he felt a prickling sensation, making him aware of the danger lurking behind the man. He distinctly felt three archers, who likely had their bows aimed at him in case he tried something. I just wanted to make something clear, he continued. I will leave my former colleagues to you, so do take proper care of them. Of course, if something happens, we will have issues. By now, he was only a single step away from the middle-aged warrior, Richard was a good ten centimeters taller than Jake, literally looking down on the archer. Yet he seemed unsure of how to act. <coughs> issues? What kind of issues would those be? He squinted down at Jake while taking half a step forward to tower over him. Jake's smile widened. 
the kind of issues where I get convenient prey served on a silver platter. Do you believe yourself superior? Do you think those three archers will land their shot before I remove your head? Do you think their arrows have any chance of hitting? Do you honestly think that you are the predator in this scenario? Jake opened his arms wide out to the sides, watching Richard tense up as he dropped the smile and turned serious. Because you're not. You can take them, train with them, fight with them, and survive with them. But I will be watching. A single misstep, and I will hunt you and all your pals down one by one. Sweet greens. Jake turned around and started walking away. In his sphere, he saw the archer that stood just behind Richard had begun drawing his bow, but Richard raised a hand, indicating for him to stop. Jake made the exact same motion. The other men appeared stunned by the revelation that he could still see them with his back turned. Jake walked back to his colleagues, who stood there looking confused. You are leaving us? Gasper managed to mutter out. Yeah, it was my plan all along. I have my own goals for this tutorial. If you join them, you should have a much higher chance of surviving than on your own. Don't worry, I will check in occasionally. Jake gave them a smile. Not the threatening, borderline maniac smile that he had given Richard, but a friendly one. Do take diligent care of everyone, Jacob, and don't let them bully you or anyone else. Then he turned toward the forest, intending to leave. Wait! Jacob called out and ran up to him, hugging him and covertly passing him one of the satchels he had been carrying. One contained all the health potions from the attackers last night, as well as Jacob's own three health and stamina potions. Finishing the hug and distancing himself, Jacob looked at Jake and smiled. Take care out there, my friend, and please do come back and check in whenever you can. Jake nodded and walked away from their camp. There was no heartfelt goodbye from any of them, except Casper, who yelled to take care. He had a strong feeling he wouldn't see them for quite a while, but even without showing himself, he hoped the power of the threat would remain. However, he was pretty sure that dear Richard would give him an opportunity to truly hammer it home soon. He had seen Richard whisper something to the archer as Jake walked back to his colleagues earlier. Looking over once more, he saw said archer, whom he had guessed to be his second-in-command, now gone, along with some of the light warriors. Jake smiled as he entered the bushes and walked at a brisk pace directly away from the clearing. He could not see them anywhere in his sphere, but he knew they were coming. Richard did not strike him as a man who took threats very well, and sending a team after him to remove a potential threat was perfectly in character. Picking up the pace, he started sprinting to create some distance. His heart was still pumping from his acting before. He didn't quite know how he had found the confidence to do that, but in some ways, wasn't there a thrill in that kind of challenge, too? Excitement bubbled up in his stomach as he found a spot that was simply perfect. He smiled as he thought of his pursuers. They would arrive soon, he felt it. He started retracing his path for ten or so meters by stepping in his old footsteps, approaching a tree. He had purposely walked close to it on his way here for this reason, after all. Moving in accordance with his basic stealth skill, he felt it activate as he quickly climbed the tree and found a good hiding spot among the leaves. Soon they would be upon him, and he was ready for them. Thoughts about how they were human beings didn't enter his mind even for a second. Today... 
They were simply prey. They seem to have misunderstood something, he thought, as he waited. I am the one hunting them. Chapter 13 Nicholas, One of Two How troublesome, Nicholas thought, as he pursued the archer on Richard's orders. Nicholas, an archer himself, was silently running through the forest with six of his companions. Four archers and three light warriors made up the hunting party. In his opinion, it was total overkill to send seven men for a single archer from some corporate office. Seriously, what the fuck was up with that guy? Spewing off some cliched bullshit to look like a badass? He'd had to hold himself back from cringing during the entire thing and had barely managed to not just shoot him in the back as he walked off. Sadly, Richard didn't want to spoil the relationship with their new healer. While the guy did do some weird stuff, it was nothing to make Nicholas wary of him. It was totally unnecessary to send so many, but Richard was nothing if not thorough. Ultimately, he did, of course, understand why Richard sent people after him. Either he was a real and serious threat, or he was a lunatic, in which case he would be a chaotic threat. In both cases, the issue was best nipped in the bud. Nicholas himself had been one of the people who'd entered the tutorial with Richard, and he'd worked for the man before the initiation. Richard ran a private security firm and had employees contracted in several offices in their city of operation. Nicholas was just another faceless employee, but his track record had earned him some amount of trust, which had netted him the right-hand man's position in this tutorial. Finding a healer was fortunate. Having none was quite honestly hell, especially for the warriors who often got minor injuries, being forced to be in melee and all that. They'd had a healer when they first got here, but he'd gotten impaled by a huge stag in one of their first fights. This left them with only a limited amount of healing potions, made worse by having to waste them on what a healer could fix in minutes for just a bit of mana. Even luckier was that the healer was a part of a team of laymen who were clearly inexperienced when it came to battle. And yet he had been asked by his boss to pursue some archer with a big mouth who decided to play cool. He did not buy the guy's bullshit at all. He personally wanted to just bet on the guy getting himself killed, but Richard was not the kind of man you rejected. He was their leader, with pretty much everyone just calling him boss. The title hadn't been earned through nepotism or posturing, but sheer competence. Nicholas didn't question his decision, but it did suck a bit that they had to take in a group of weaklings. He doubted a single one of them was even level five. At least the healer chick looked nice, and the red-haired caster was quite good, too. The one he found the most annoying was that crippled middle-aged woman, the very definition of a burden in his opinion. I am sure Richard will find some way to fix it, he thought. How would they be to blame if the newbies had unfortunate accidents during combat? As long as they could get the healer on their side, all were fair game. They had been running for a while, and finally reached the area where Mr. Big Mouth had entered the forest. They all entered stealth, as they had a rule that every archer and light warrior had to pick stealth at level five. Richard wanted a strong scouting force and, as this situation proved, assassination team. They snuck through the underbrush as they scouted ahead. The guy had not exactly been sneaky, leaving clear footsteps in the underbrush. While none of them had a tracking skill, it did not mean the tracking was impossible. He just had to do it the old-fashioned way. 
As they followed the footsteps, they suddenly seemed to stop in the middle of a small clearing. Before any of them could react, Nicholas heard something pierce through the wind, followed by a thud. The light warrior at his side fell over with an arrow stuck in the back of his head, dead as dead can be. What the fuck? was his immediate internal reaction as he acted. Take cover, he yelled as he ran for the trees, quickly hiding behind one. Peeking back into the clearing, he saw two corpses. One of the archers was now also dead, shot during their retreat. What the fuck is going on? He activated Archer's eye and started looking up at the trees. He had a feeling their attacker was up in one of those, and it didn't take long before he spotted the enemy. It was another archer, based on the fact that another arrow flew out from a tree crown. Nicholas knocked an arrow and went out from behind the tree, firing at where the arrow had come from. He got no feedback from his shot, as he quickly backed behind the tree once more. He peeked around it again, his high perception and skill both working on overdrive. Before he found anything, he heard another scream. He charged over to where the scream had come from, dashing between trees. Arriving at the location, he saw a wounded archer with an arrow in his chest. Luckily, he was still alive. Nicholas quickly ripped the arrow out and took out his last health potion, making the man drink it. The wound visibly healed, and the now healing archer opened his mouth. I got a shot in, he barely managed to say, still heaving for breath as his lungs healed. And a stomach, I think. The man fell, still out of breath, while the potion did its magic. Nicholas left the man to lick his wounds, as he heard more yelling from his comrades all around him. Jake was still smiling to himself as he examined the arrow in his stomach. He considered ripping it out and drinking a healing potion, but his health had only gone down a measly fifty points, not even one-sixth of his total health after his new title. Ripping it out would only make it bleed more, making him lose more health, and, quite frankly, it barely affected him. It hurt like hell, but it was more than manageable. His initial ambush had gone well, killing two of them right off the bat. He also felt the sensation of level-ups, but he decided to ignore the system messages for now. It wasn't the time to get distracted. However, the third target he had gone for had been prepared and had been outside his sphere when they spotted each other, resulting in them both landing an arrow on the other. Jake had narrowly missed the man's heart, but still landed a fatal blow. If the man did not have any healing potions, he would bleed out in minutes, or drown in his own blood as it filled up his lungs. Jake wasn't a doctor, but he was pretty sure it would be one or the other. From the bush he was now hiding in, he focused on his sphere as he moved out, sneaking in between trees. He saw a lone light warrior hidden behind a tree in his sphere, the tree itself posing no obstacle to his perception ability. His initial plan had worked out perfectly, baiting all of them into the middle of a small clearing and then attacking, making them split to all sides, divide and conquer and all that. Jake threw a small rock to the left of the warrior as he approached from the right. The man turned instantly toward the sound, and Jake promptly charged forth, sliding up behind him, putting his left hand across the man's mouth and using his right to slit his throat. The man managed to slash his dagger backwards in an awkward last-ditch effort, hitting Jake in his left shoulder. The man went limp, with Jake holding him until he got the notification. When it came, he let the corpse go as he looked at the knife wound on his left shoulder. 
It hurt, but the knife had barely done any damage, and he could still easily use it. Three, maybe four down, at least three to go, including the archer leading them. He had seen the archer in charge of their little assassination troop. He was fast, faster than Jake, indicating that he had a higher level, and not by a little either. Jake estimated the man to be at least level seven or eight. Jake began sneaking toward his next target as he tried to stay hidden. He had already decided to leave one alive to send a message, if possible, but it sure as hell was not going to be their leader. He had already spotted the one he wanted to function as his messenger. It was a young archer, no more than seventeen or eighteen. Jake was looking at him at this moment and could both see and feel him shake in fear. He kept throwing glances toward the clearing where the two corpses were. Jake decided to ignore the kid and instead started looking for another target. From the way the kid had frozen up, Jake saw no scenario where he would prove an issue. Jake felt no one in his sphere as he moved, nor did he see anything. He closed his eyes and focused on his hearing. At first he heard nothing but the ambient sound of the wind and the occasional beast or bird, until he picked up another, more relevant sound. Labored breathing. He silently snuck toward the sound of the breathing, and soon the last light warrior entered his sphere of perception. Unlike the others, this one had decided to cover himself in leaves and parts of the underbrush, practically invisible in combination with the basic stealth skill as he lay prone on the ground. Jake doubted he would even be able to spot him using Archer's eye. Luckily, Jake did not need his eyes to see him. The man was hidden well if you looked at him, but with an omnidirectional sphere, what he was doing barely counted as hiding. Jake decided to get a vertical advantage and climbed a tree to ensure his attack would prove lethal. From up there, he had a clear shot right at the man. He sure had done a decent job hiding, as Jake could not even spot him from above, mainly due to him lying completely still. Jake knocked an arrow and drew his bow, aiming for the head. He found it interesting how not a single of the basic outfits for any of the classes provided any protection for the head. Even the heavy warriors didn't have a helmet, despite their otherwise full armor. The only thing remotely close were the hoods on the cloaks that casters, healers, and archers had but that did not exactly provide a lot of protection against an arrow. The only true protection seemed to be provided by the toughness stat, maybe vitality, and perhaps endurance to some extent. He did not know exactly, but he did remember the light warrior class not offering any stat points to toughness and only one to vitality. In other words, their level advantage meant little to nothing if hit, except for maybe one or two levels in race which was exactly what led to the hidden warrior dying without even knowing how. All that was left was what looked like a stack of leaves and branches with an arrow sticking out of it. A red liquid slowly soaked the underbrush around the arrow. Jake confirmed the system notification of him getting the kill and checked his list of notifications quickly, finding only four, meaning that the archer he'd traded arrows with earlier still lived. Must have used a health potion, he thought. He decided to go finish off the archer, doubting he had gotten far. While the healing potion did renew the lost health points instantly, it still took a bit of time for the body to fully mend, and judging from where he had landed the arrow, the guy was hopefully still down for the count. Jake climbed down from the tree and snuck toward where he had fought the archer. He still had to be careful with the leader of the hit squad on the loose. 
The guy had decent skill, judging by his fast reactions to the initial ambush, and his accuracy was quite decent, according to his return shot. He quickly found the archer, who had done nothing more than drag himself to the other side of the tree Jake had left him at. He was still heaving for breath, as his lungs had just finished healing, and was not in any condition to put up a proper fight. While it was not exactly exciting prey, an enemy was an enemy. The archer had covered his body and face with his cloak, and made sure that blood was clearly visible as he tried to sit completely still, likely hoping to fool Jake into believing he was already dead. Jake was off to the side of the man, still sneaking, as he drew his bow. The man had his vision blocked by his hood, completely unaware as death approached. Jake aimed and fired the arrow. The moment he released the arrow, his danger sense went ballistic, and he barely managed to move a bit to the side as an arrow entered his sphere and struck him in the back. A wave of immense pain washed over him, making him grit his teeth. He barely managed to stumble behind a nearby tree, narrowly dodging yet another arrow. He slumped down behind the tree and quickly ripped out the arrow still in his stomach, then the one in his back. The one in the stomach was narrow, only penetrating muscle mostly, but the one in the bag had hit something important. He quickly drank a healing potion and felt a cold sensation spread throughout his body. The potion itself was tasteless, like water, not that he had any time to think about flavors at the moment. He couldn't help but smile to himself, despite the pain, as he confirmed the kill notification for the already wounded archer. Afterward, he quickly opened his status page and threw all his free points into perception. He didn't even have time to look at his stats before his danger sense acted up again as he had to slide around the tree, avoiding another arrow. His smile grew wider as he got to temporary safety once more. The archer was outside his sphere, despite it becoming slightly stronger from the increased perception given during his level-ups and the allocated freak points. Whoever this leader was, he wasn't an amateur. He knew his way around a bow, and unlike many others, he didn't hesitate. Jake felt the excitement practically boil in his stomach as he felt his wounds heal. Finally, he had found a worthwhile opponent. His terrible taunt and equally terrible acting had been 100% worth it. Chapter 14 Nicholas, Two of Two Nicholas did feel slightly regretful sacrificing his comrade in order to get the drop on the archer, not because his former ally died, but because he had failed in killing the enemy. After he had given the wounded archer a healing potion, he decided to hide in a tree twenty or so meters away with a clear line of sight to the wounded man. In other words, he had set up his ally as bait. The enemy archer seemed to have a perception skill of some kind, or something that achieved a similar effect. It was a way of locating nearby individuals at the minimum. He first thought it was perhaps the basic tracking skill, but he had also seen the archer use basic stealth, which would either mean that the man had unlocked two skills, hence being above level ten, or had some other means he was unaware of. Ultimately, it did not matter. What mattered was killing the bastard, and his trap had worked like a charm until the very last moment. As he timed his shot with the enemy archers, the man reacted as if he had eyes in his back and managed to slightly swerve to the side, lessening the damage from the shot significantly. Nicholas cursed to himself as he shot another arrow, 
but once more the man stumbled to the side, dodging without even turning around. Before he could fire another shot, the guy had already fled to safety behind a tree. He jumped down from the tree he had been in and started running to the side while still keeping a good distance. He spotted the archer once more and quickly shot another arrow, but once more he managed to slip around the tree. What followed was a cat-and-mouse game, when Nicholas kept shooting arrows whenever he saw the other archer as he slowly got closer. Based on the movements of the other archer, he must have consumed a health potion, putting Nicholas on a timer before he would be back in top condition. The entire thing was frustrating, and only got worse as the other archer started returning fire. Neither of them seemed inclined to enter melee range, and with a good twenty meters still between them, they entered a standstill. Not that Nicholas feared entering a melee bout. As a part of his job before the initiation, he'd received training in hand-to-hand, -hand, and his skills with a knife were not to be scoffed at. While he'd had limited experience with a bow before the tutorial, the system had even given him a rank upgrade to his one-handed weapon skill once. He had picked Archer because he believed a ranged weapon would be superior to a melee one, despite Light Warrior perhaps suiting him better in retrospect. Jake felt quite a bit better after avoiding a couple more arrows, and he even started shooting back. His life was in danger at every moment, and he had a couple of close shaves on account of the other Archer being both faster and stronger than him. He was enjoying every moment of it. They both dodged and weaved in between trees, firing arrows back and forth, neither finding any luck. Jake was absolutely fine with this stalemate, as he started to feel better and better, his high vitality helping to heal his internal injuries. Despite a healing potion's magical effect of restoring health points, it did not instantly fix the body. That was all up to the person's vitality, a stat that Jake had no lack of due to his bloodline patriarch title. As they shot at each other, they ended up slowly moving closer together. The initial twenty meters became fifteen, and then only ten. With less than twenty arrows remaining, the other archer finally entered Jake's sphere of perception, making the physical barriers between them far less relevant, as he no longer needed to rely purely on sight. The forest was quite a sight at this moment, with tens of trees having arrows stuck in them. Some were low on the trunk, while others were closer to their tops, as the two archers had periodically climbed them in order to get any advantage. Jake could feel the other archer becoming more and more frustrated throughout the fight, and when he entered his sphere, Jake finally confirmed the big frown on the man's face. Jake smiled to himself as he called out, This is fun, right? What the fuck do you want? the other archer yelled back. A name, I would prefer. Name's Jake. And why would I care about that? the other man once more yelled, clearly not enjoying their exchange whatsoever. Jake saw that the man was spending his time conjuring more arrows. Not that he had much to say, as Jake was doing exactly the same. The other archer, however, was down to only eleven arrows, with Jake still having nineteen. Based on the other archer's skill level, he had likely counted them and knew he was at a disadvantage, leading him to endure the conversation to buy time. It would be a shame to just end up as another random notification of experience and tutorial points gain, wouldn't it? Jake replied honestly. The other man had skill, to be sure. Despite his clear frustration with the situation, he still kept his cool and had a methodical approach, never losing control of his emotions enough to hamper his performance. 
This would not be Jake's last fight with life and death on the line against a strong enemy, but he wanted to know the name of his first at least. He slightly regretted not getting the name of the three assailants he had first killed, but the situation had not exactly called for a name exchange. Still trying to act cool, huh? He sneered back. Get a grip. You're making me cringe over here. But if he cares so much, then my name is Nicholas. Well, nice to meet you, I guess. Was my taunt really that bad? Jake had tried to make himself seem like a total badass, but thinking back, it came off more as him acting like a fifteen-year-old's version of a badass. Cringeworthy enough to make me want to get rid of you, even without Richard ordering it. Seriously, what the fuck was that? Seriously, that bad? I guess I should apologize? Jake was more than a little embarrassed. Never going to do anything like that again. Ever. Still going to kill you, Nicholas answered. You fucked up really bad, you know. Making an enemy out of us? Do you really think your friends will be safe after I kill you and return to tell how full of shit you were? Okay, I guess this means the talk is over, Jake muttered as much to himself as Nicholas. The conversation at this point would lead nowhere, but Jake was happy enough that he got a name to call his opponent. Jake exited from behind the tree and jumped to the side, shooting another arrow at Nicholas, who managed to dodge it quite easily. The purpose of the shot had only been to interrupt his opponent's conjuration of arrows. The game of shooting back and forth resumed, but Nicholas seemed to quickly notice his disadvantage at the closer range, as he seemed to pick up on Jake knowing his position despite having no line of sight. They were close enough that they ended up grazing each other here and there, but nothing even close to lethal. Jake's opponent hesitated for a bit as he hid behind a tree. In the end, the man appeared to decide he would be far more exposed trying to run, and even if he did manage to get away, it would achieve very little. Nicholas, instead of running away or getting more distance, decided to close the gap. The enemy archer ran back and forth between the trees, and while the distance was only reduced by inches at a time as they kept shooting back and forth, the man did make constant advances toward Jake. Jake, on the other hand, was fine with the other archer deciding to get closer. While he most certainly preferred ranged combat, he was not afraid to meet the enemy in melee, not because he had any confidence in his abilities with a melee weapon, but because he unconditionally trusted his instincts at this point. They were not perfect, and he had taken several wounds during the fight, but they were nevertheless extremely reliable. He suddenly got an idea as something appeared in his sphere while dodging yet another arrow. He kept dodging toward a certain tree while returning fire at opportune times. Finally, he got to the particular tree he had been aiming for, having increased the distance to a good eight to ten meters once more. He dodged behind the tree as Nicholas followed close behind. It was at this tree that Jake had killed the wounded archer at the beginning of the battle. During the course of combat, they had moved around so much that they eventually switched locations from where they had started as they both circled the forest from tree to tree. This meant that Nicholas could not see the dead archer from where he was now hiding. Jake, on the other hand, stood behind the tree right next to the fresh corpse. Jake once more smirked as he hoisted up the dead archer, leaning him against the tree in preparation. He then got out from behind the tree, firing yet another arrow. Jake purposely stayed around this tree as Nicholas finally got within a couple of meters. Nicholas charged for Jake as he circled the tree where Jake had set the trap. 
As he got around it, he lunged with no hesitation and stabbed for the throat. Jake saw Nicholas smile as his knife sank into the flesh of his dead comrade. His smile quickly disappeared, however, as the man noticed the face of his opponent. What instead met him were the dead eyes of the comrade he had sacrificed earlier. Before he could process what had happened, a knife came out from behind the corpse as Jake penetrated his chest. With a cough of blood, Nicholas fell backward, the knife being ripped out in the process. Blood poured out, and Jake knew his heart had been hit, and that he was done for, as blood filled the fallen archer's mouth. Jake looked down at the man, who was collapsed on the soft underbrush of the forest, his eyes still open as he struggled in vain. His vitality had spared him from an otherwise instant kill, as his health points were nearly depleted. Good fight, Jake stated solemnly. Fuck, Nicholas tried to say as he coughed up more blood. He didn't attempt to speak again before the final vestige of life left him. Jake sighed as he got the notification confirming the kill. He went forward and closed the man's, no, Nicholas's, eyes. At one point he had considered cutting off the head of this leader to send a message to Richard that his threat was serious, but he could not bring himself to defile the corpse of someone who had given him the best fight of his life. It would also be just a bit too cliché. Jake instead decided to bury his fallen opponent's corpse, but first he had some unfinished business with the last member of the hunting party. He walked toward where the archer had been frozen in fear and found him still in the same place, clearly attempting to hide. He had no respect for this young man, only pity. He was barely an adult, if one at all, and he had been thrown into this messed-up tutorial with beasts, monsters, and people out to kill him. People like Jake. The kid's attempt to hide was rendered rather pointless by his constant shivering, making it easy to find him even without Jake's fear. The kid had his dagger in his hand, hidden under the cloak, but he had either lost or thrown away his bow at some point. As Jake got closer, the archer started shaking even more, and finally summoned the courage to look up, only to see Jake in a blood-red cloak that had once been brown. Before the kid managed to scream, Jake ran forward and easily disarmed him by giving him a solid punch in the gut, making him keel over. His knife dropped to the ground. Your pals are dead, kid, Jake said, as he looked at the kid, who was clearly thinking that he was going to die. Return to Richard and say that Nicholas fought well, and do remind him that I was serious when I told him that I would kill him if he does anything to my friends. Oh, and say that he is free to send more people after me. I enjoyed it. The kid looked up with terror and hesitated at Jake's words. The man in front of him was, in his eyes, a monster in human skin. Out of nowhere, two of his friends had died, and as he'd been getting his bearings, he'd heard panicked screams all around him. He had frozen up, not daring to move, as he feared yet another arrow would come out of nowhere and end his life without him even knowing how. He instead hoped, no, begged, that the others would win and come get him. But now everyone was dead, including the seemingly invincible Nicholas, who even the super-scary Richard respected as his equal. Worse yet, now this monster was standing right in front of him. Hello, Jake wondered aloud, as the kid just stood there, shivering. Hadn't he heard him? 
the kid tensed up before he quickly began running haphazardly, nearly falling over during his first couple of steps, until he got his bearings and started sprinting. Jake was a bit confused for a moment, then just shook his head. It looked more than a little silly as the kid bumped into several trees, running like the devil was chasing him. When the archer left his line of sight, Jake finally slumped down to the ground, tired as hell. It turned out that fighting someone to the death for the better part of an hour was exhausting. Chapter 15 Diverging Paths As Jake was relaxing, he reflected on how weird stamina was. He was not tired, per se, as he did not feel like taking a nap, and his muscle did not ache or anything like that. He had not felt even a second of exhaustion during the fight itself, and yet the second the battle was done, he'd felt drained. It was likely just mental exhaustion over physical exhaustion, now that he was thinking about it. There was no stat for that. Or does willpower help with that? Naturally, he didn't know, so he could only guess, but since he hadn't really felt less mentally taxed even with the stat increases, he felt like it didn't. It did kind of make sense that it was tiring to focus on interpreting the feelings from his sphere of perception all the time, while also being under constant pressure. At the moment, it was still active, vaguely making him aware of everything within eight meters or so, but he was not really directly using it. He couldn't really put it into words, but he guessed one would say it had an active and a passive mode. Not that he had any clue how it worked. He just knew what was within it. He did not expressly see anything, he just knew the shapes and sizes of everything. It would take a lot of experimentation to truly figure out if it was even possible ever to do so, and for some reason Jake doubted he would get any answers from just sitting there. Instead, he decided to go through his system notifications and level-ups, and boy were there notifications. You have slain human, G, level 3, warrior, light, level 6. Bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level, 365 TP earned. You have slain human, G, level 2, archer, level 5, experience earned, 243 TP earned. You have slain human, G, level 3, warrior, light, level 7, bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level, 471 TP earned. Ding! Class archer has reached level 6, stat points allocated, plus one free point. Ding! Race human, G, has reached level 3, stat points allocated, plus one free point. You have slain human, G, level 3, warrior, light, level 6. Experience earned, 394 TP earned. You have slain human, G, level 3, archer, level 7. A small amount of bonus experience earned for killing an enemy with a class above your class level, 654 TP earned. You have slain human, G, level 4, archer, level 9. Bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level, 1167 TP earned. Ding! Class Archer has reached level 7, stat points allocated, plus one free point. The gains were good, and he was especially surprised to see that Nicholas had been level 9, with quite a lot of tutorial points too, indicating that he had indeed killed a lot of beasts. He was strong after all. It made Jake wonder if Richard had lied when he said that he was level 9, but it was honestly inconsequential for now. 
He only had a single free point left from the last level up, as midway through the fight he'd thrown all his points into Perception. Perception was, without a doubt, the stat that he liked the most, and he felt like it had great synergy with his Bloodline ability. Based on that, he decided just to drop his one free point into Perception as he opened his newly upgraded status menu. Status. Name, Jake Thane. Race, Human. G, Level 3. Class, Archer, Level 7. Profession, N.A. Health points, HP, 257 of 340. Mana points, MP, 88 of 140. Stamina, 151 of 210. Stats, Strength, 21. Agility, 22. Endurance, 21. Vitality, 34. Toughness, 13. Wisdom, 14. Intelligence, 14. Perception, 37. Willpower, 12. Three points, 0. Once more he confirmed the weirdness of the endurance stat. Due to the level-ups his maximum stamina had increased by 40, making his current also increase by 40, which ultimately led to him having more stamina than when he'd begun the fight. He also decided to check the tutorial panel now that he was fiddling with menus. Tutorial panel. Duration, 63 days and 2 hours 27 minutes 39 seconds. Total survivors remaining, 987 of 1200. TP collected, 4,629. So many people have died, and not even the first day has passed, he thought. 213 people dead, more than one-sixth of the total amount of those who had entered the tutorial. Not that Jake had helped that statistic in any way, being personally responsible for nine of those deaths. He had no clue if his TP was a lot or a little, but according to the rules, he got half the TP of people he killed, so he assumed it had to be a lot. If Nicholas had given him 1,167, he would have had double that at 2,334, which was still only a bit over half of what he currently had. Not that he had any idea what those damn points could be used for quite yet. His amount of points was rather respectable, though, as Nicholas had been level 9, while Jake was only level 7. But it did kind of make sense, as he took the accumulated points of people who had killed plenty of enemies to get to their levels. He also had no clue exactly how much TP different enemies gave. He had gotten over 300 from the level 10 boar, and that had been a shared kill. For the badgers, he'd gotten 4 points from the level 3 ones, and 8 from the level 4 one. The sample size was way too small. Maybe the points just doubled for every level, though that seemed insane. It had kind of fit with a level 10 boar giving a total of 512, and him getting 300 plus of that on a shared kill. But that would mean a level 11 beast would give 1,024, a level 12, 2,048, then 4,096, and so on. It just seemed way too extreme to work like that. A level 20 beast would give a whopping 524,288 points, which was just absolutely insane, if true. Granted, he had no idea how strong a level 20 beast would be, but he doubted they would warrant such a huge point increase. Once more, he shook his head at his useless internal thoughts. It was a waste of time to think about, and he would just have to go hunt beasts to find out how many points each level gave easily. He closed all his menus and got up feeling refreshed in both mind and body, despite only relaxing for ten minutes. He walked over to Nicholas's body, Jake could still see the unwillingness on his face, but nothing could be done about that. They had fought, and Jake had come out on top.
He had already resolved himself to give a respectable send-off to the man, but had quickly met the obstacle of not having anything to dig with. He refused to leave the man's body for a bunch of overgrown badgers or deer to eat, so just leaving the body out in the open was not an option. Logically, it was a waste of time, but one could not always remain logical. He instead decided to make a small fire. Fire was rather easy to make by creating sparks with two daggers, one of which he had taken from one of the dead archers. It was in no way a glorious pyre, but it got the job done. He watched sullenly as the corpse burned, nodding toward what had once been a powerful enemy as the flames consumed it. Despite being in the same place for a couple of hours while preparing and burning the body, no one showed up. Jake guessed that Richard had decided not to send any more would-be assassins after him for now. With him being done there, he went to a nearby river and washed himself and his cloak. He bathed in full clothes, his dress shirt and pants still on. The only thing he took off was his shoes and socks, as getting them wet somehow seemed too much. After cleaning himself and returning his cloak to more brown than red, he decided to set out once more and finally get his solo hunting underway. Excited to get started, he smiled and ran into the depths of the forest once more, like a child entering an amusement park. Richard had sent off Nicholas and the other fighters with the stealth skill nearly an hour ago. They knew to return to their original camp once the job was done, and he had nearly expected to meet them there. It took a good forty minutes to walk with the newbies to their camp, arriving with little hassle along the way. The situation was kind of awkward as they walked, but Richard had talked to the young man named Jacob and found him to be rather competent. He was good at reading people, and his group of survivors clearly listened to him and respected him. He was protective of them, but Richard only saw that as a bonus. Despite only interacting with the young man for a bit over half an hour, he had already come to have a modicum of respect for him. The only thing he was annoyed at was the lack of information he got on the archer he had sent Nicholas after. Jacob claimed that he had been their co-worker before the initiation, and that was about it. He seemed to barely know the guy. The only thing he knew was that he was good with a bow and that he tended to like being alone. It was annoying, but ultimately it mattered little, as the archer was likely already dead by the time the point was discussed. Or at least he assumed he was. But the lack of the kill squad who'd gone after him made him worried. The young man had been self-confident to the level of being ridiculous, and Richard was starting to fear that it had not all been bravado. Most of it had been, without a doubt, as he was pretty sure he remembered one of his lines being from a movie, but the paranoia still crept up on him. Losing a member or two would be more than annoying. They had poured quite a few resources into them, after all, raising them all to at least level five. He had not for a second considered them being wiped out. Nicholas was too good for that, in his opinion. He was at the same level as himself, and Richard had no confidence in fighting the man head-on. He'd been strong before the tutorial, and in here he was only stronger. He did have a small fear that Nicholas would one day turn on him, but it did not seem too probable so far. Either way, he saw no scenario in which that arrogant bastard of an archer survived. Arriving at their small camp with the newbies, the new arrivals looked about, with Richard nodding at the progress in his absence. The camp was basic, to say the least, but they had started constructing some makeshift huts using sticks and leaves, 
with some grander buildings already being planned. If they had to spend over two months here, they would have to make safe shelter eventually, and no time was better than the present. After waiting another quarter of an hour, he saw someone running toward the camp, and he didn't immediately recognize him. A haggard teenager with cuts and bruises all over stumbled out of the trees, making him get a better look. At first Richard was happy, as he recognized him as one of Nicholas's men, but soon frowned as he noticed him being alone. Getting a closer look, he saw the pure terror still present on the face of the youth. Richard instantly turned serious as several questions quickly popped up in his head. Could they have met a dangerous beast out there? Another group? Where was Nicholas? He took a brisk walk toward the kid and practically collided with him. Before the kid could open his mouth, Richard cut him off. What happened? Where is Nicholas? Where the hell is the rest of your squad? To dead? The kid barely managed to stammer out. Richard momentarily froze. Did Nicholas kill them? he asked. If Nicholas had betrayed him. He died. What? Richard screamed, clearly scaring the already terrified kid. The kid barely managed to explain in bits and pieces how they had gotten into a fight and been killed off, but Richard interrupted him. If he killed everyone, Richard yelled, taking a deep breath as he looked down on the kid, then why the fuck are you alive? At this point, the other people in the camp had noticed the commotion, including Jacob, who Richard noticed got closer to listen in. He knew that Jacob was aware he had sent people after Jake and had hoped that his friend could somehow get away. It was an open secret that no one talked about. Richard did notice the man honestly looked unsure whether he should be happy or not that his friend had killed a bunch of people. This did at least confirm to Richard that Jacob had not been lying about his lack of comprehension of that archer's skills. The young archer before him, on the other hand, was nearly pissing himself at this point. He gritted his teeth and explained what had happened in more detail, how they had been ambushed and two people had died as all they could do was try and get to cover. He told everything he knew, leaving out only the fact that he had hidden, cowardly, for the entire thing. He left me alive because he wanted me to deliver a message, the archer said. He told me that Nicholas fought well and that he was serious about what he said earlier. The teenager looked like he left out something because he was scared perhaps afraid Richard would get more furious with him. It didn't help, as Richard was still fuming nonetheless. He was red in his face, but at the same time very hesitant about what exactly to do. He looked at the kid, who in turn looked like he was contemplating if he should say something. What else? Spit out, he said, staring angrily. Boss, he was not normal. He enjoyed it, smiled while covered in blood. A monster. Richard was taken aback. He would normally yell more at the kid, but what he saw before him was not just a scared kid, but someone utterly terrified. Reprimanding would do no good. He instead turned to Jacob, who stood not far away. Jacob also looked shocked at what he heard, especially the last part. Well, it made sense to get surprised if you heard your friend described as a monster yet the man looked like he still had some understanding of why the kid would assume it. "'What the hell is up with that guy?' Richard finally asked as he looked over at Jacob. Jacob seemed to finally have decided to stand his ground. He had heard what the kid said. He knew his friend was out there, 
and he was a genuine threat from the sound of it. He was his group's strongest bargaining chip, along with Caroline. And while Richard didn't have a high opinion of Jacob, he did strike him as a good businessman, one who knew he had just gained another card in his hand. He is my friend and co-worker, like I told you, and he is particularly good with a bow. And when it comes to fighting, or hunting, as he calls it, he gets a bit in the zone, per se. He is weird. He is a loner. I quite honestly don't understand much about him, but the one thing I do know is that he's my friend. Richard looked at Jacob and saw no indication of the man lying about anything. Whatever he is, Richard thought, he isn't worth it. He had lost enough good men for one day. Chapter 16 A Bit of Hunting The arrow whistled through the air toward the unaware boar. It penetrated deep into the chest of the beast as it whimpered and walked only a couple of meters before collapsing. The second beast wasn't any luckier, as an arrow hit it first in its snout, followed by another to the eye shortly after, ending its life nearly instantly. The final overgrown pig managed only to get hit by a single arrow before it finally saw the attacker. Jake stood on a small hill overlooking the clearing. He made a rather unimpressive figure. Brown hair and eyes, a mediocre face, donning a cloak with a color palette between brown and dried blood. Yeah, it could have looked more fashionable. The boar charged him and, with its head kept low, managed to avoid any fatal hits. However, it helped it little as he dodged the boar just before it hit him and proceeded to stab his dagger into the side of the beast. Squealing in pain, it tried to hit him with its tusks, only to once more be evaded and have yet another dagger plunged in its throat. It barely managed to gurgle out a few noises before it, too, collapsed. Jake smiled to himself as he ripped his knives out of the beast, cleaned them on his cloak, and put them back in the two sheaths he had on his belt. He was starting to enjoy having two melee weapons, having kept the one he took from one of Richard's archers. He even considered getting the dual-wielding skill at some point, but that was for when he got his next skill selection. And speaking of level, he took a brief look at his notification, noticing none had been gained yet. Then again, it was only the first group of beasts he had killed since burning Nicholas. You have slain Boar, level 5. Bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level. 16 TP earned. You have slain Boar, level 6. Bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level. 32 TP earned. You have slain Boar, level 8. Bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level. 128 TP earned. The one thing he did get out of it was confirmation of his temporary theory that each level of the beasts doubled the amount of TP earned. He still severely doubted that it would work like that all the way, as the multiplication would just get silly at some point. He also took notice of the part about bonus experience. His current level in his class was seven, yet he was counted as at a lower level. The only explanation he could find was that level was based on his race level and not his class level. It did seem a bit imbalanced working like that, though. For him to kill a beast at his own level was incredibly easy. Even if one ignored his bloodline, he believed that even someone as untalented in combat as Jacob could manage a beast with an equal race level as his own. Were humans simply favored by the system? He had also noticed that the levels of enemies did indeed increase as he moved further and further into the forest. The place was huge, 
and he looked forward to knowing what was at the center of this whole tutorial area. In the beginning, the tutorial announcement had mentioned Beast Lords or something, so perhaps those were there. Not that it mattered at the current time. What mattered now were levels. He felt free for the first time since entering the tutorial, like the entire world was open for him to explore. Well, the entire world currently being this tutorial area. Jake, however, quickly noticed a problem. The number of beasts in this area was severely lacking, so to find more, he kept running inward toward the center of the tutorial area. After only half an hour, where all he encountered was a group of low-level badgers, he finally came to a big clearing with a water hole in the middle. Around the water he counted five deer and what looked like a stag. It had a huge crown of antlers and seemed to be teeming with power. The antlers themselves were unnatural, to say the least, literally glowing with dim light that he saw reflected on the surface of the water. Jake quickly used Identify on it and was pleasantly surprised. Unknown, level thirteen. Higher level than the boar. Even before using Identify, he could feel that it was stronger. And the antlers also made him believe that the beast had some kind of magical ability. Jake himself was only level seven, and he was a bit unsure if trying to take on this particular group was a wise move. The five other deer around the stag were also all level eight or nine. He was confident that he could kill a couple of them before they managed to reach him, if he used good positioning. But if they did catch up to him, yeah, he was not going to outrun them. Four legs were better than two and all that. The boar had also only been level ten, and it took him all his arrows, and that didn't even kill it. While he doubted that the stag was as resilient as the boar, despite its higher level, the fact that it likely had magic was enough of a deterrent. He thus decided to ignore them for now. After another level in his class, his race would also level, granting him quite a bit more power. By then he could consider giving it a shot, though waiting for his level ten skill would probably be wiser. He quickly backed away from the clearing and went on his way to look for other prey. It did not take him long to come upon another group of beasts. This group consisted of what looked like a mix of giant chickens and ostriches, a type of flightless bird based on the fact that their wings were way too small and their build way too bulky. From their long legs, he also assumed they could run at quite a high speed. They had long necks extending up to a tiny head. What made them remind him of chickens was the fact that he could hear them clucking. They did not, however, peck at plants or for insects, but instead at a dead badger. Are there really only carnivores in this damn place? he thought. It just felt like a kind of fucked up and unoptimized ecosystem that, quite frankly, made no sense. There were plants and trees everywhere, and yet not a single animal ate them. Or maybe the docile birds did. Damn those weird-ass birds! He had attempted to shoot one down on several occasions, but whenever he tried they just dodged the arrow like it was nothing. He could not identify them, so he had no idea if they were secretly overpowered super-beasts. But whatever they were, they seemed to have no concerns aside from increasing the ambiance in the forest with their chirping. But back to the ostriches, which he had decided to just call them. He used identify on them one by one, finding all three to be level eight. They were good prey. Their necks were incredibly exposed, if hard targets, as they moved constantly while eating. With no hesitation, he raised his bow and fired an arrow, already drawing another before the first one hit.
It hit one of the ostriches and penetrated straight through its neck, hitting a tree behind it. The beasts that hadn't been hit raised their heads from the badger they had been pecking at and spotted Jake as another arrow came. The one that had been hit only made gurgling noises as it spasmed on the ground. Disappointingly, his next arrow missed as the giant birds managed to avoid it. Not really intentionally, though, as they were just shifting their legs to get into a better posture to attack. As with all other beasts, the ostriches charged over at Jake the second they spotted him. He managed to shoot another arrow, hitting one of them in the chest, only doing insignificant damage based on it barely reacting. They reached him in mere seconds, and he tossed the bow to the side and drew both his daggers. The ostrich's fighting style revolved around quick pecks with their beaks, reminiscent of a snake trying to bite, and powerful kicks. Without his danger sense, he would have been pecked to death within seconds. The flaw in the ostrich's fighting style was how exposed their necks were when they snapped forward. With a backhanded blow, he managed to plunge his dagger into the neck of the one he had wounded earlier. This, however, left him open as the other kicked him. He barely managed to raise his other arm to block as the heavy force of the foot hit him. The impact made him fly several meters through the air, and he felt his shoulder dislocate. He barely managed to get up and roll to the side before the beast was once more upon him. He had lost both his daggers at this point, as he had dropped the one nut currently stuck in an ostrich's neck when he got kicked. He knew where it was due to his sphere, but the beast didn't look like it wanted to give him time to pick it up. It didn't help that it was pretty much standing on it either. The beast attacked again, and Jake dodged it once more, biting through the pain from his shoulder as his arm hung uselessly to his side. Dodging was easy enough with only one enemy left and his forever present bloodline ability. The ostrich finally managed to slip up as it attempted to peck him, but ended up smashing its head into a tree instead. Jake was once more reminded of the power of the peck when he saw its beak penetrate the tree. The power worked against it this time, as it was unable to pull it out from the tough bark again, leaving it stuck. Jake quickly pulled an arrow from his quiver and stabbed it through the exposed and immobile neck. The beast struggled for a bit before it, too, finally fell dead from the blood loss. He quickly checked his notification and was disappointed by the lack of any levels. You have slain, Ostrich, level 8. Bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level, 128 TP earned. You have slain, Ostrich, level 8. Bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level, 128 TP earned. You have slain, Ostrich, level 8. Bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level, 128 TP earned. He was still completely unsure how the hell the system decided on the names of these beasts. Most of them seemed just to be generic animal, even if they weren't completely equivalent to that animal. Then there was also the big piggy that, for some reason, was called an iron tusk boar. The tusks weren't even made of iron. Shaking his head, he once more questioned why he wasted so much time pondering meaningless questions, which in itself was a meaningless question. Looking at his side, he inspected the shoulder that was clearly dislocated, and while he knew that you could snap it into place, it was not something he had ever done or tried. He had seen some videos on the internet of it done, and it seemed easy enough. What followed was Jake spending a bit over half an hour positioning his arm in weird ways, slamming his shoulder into trees, and doing weird movements trying to snap it back in place. The pain was excruciating, 
and he cursed himself for not just drinking a healing potion or something. Deciding to take a break from his self-inflicted torture, he sat down on a stone as his shoulder sent waves of pain throughout his body. While wondering how the hell to fix it, he suddenly felt his arm shift slightly as it snapped into place. It turned out that his body would heal something like a dislocated shoulder by itself if he just gave it a bit of time. The wonders of vitality, it seemed. So, spending thirty minutes turned out to just be an incredible act of masochism for no damn reason. He was even pretty sure he saw one of those damn birds throw a condescending glance at him. Jake once more cursed himself as he collected his things. He picked up the bow he had dropped earlier, as well as both daggers. He had to get his annoyance out on something, and quickly found another group of ostriches, only two of them this time, one level eight and one level nine. This fight, however, went way easier. He picked the level nine one off right away, and managed to injure the level eight one with two arrows before it even reached him. Instead of trying to dance around evading it, he baited it into pecking a tree, followed by a quick decapitation with one swift swipe of his knife. You have slain, ostrich, level nine, bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level, 256 TP earned. You have slain, ostrich, level eight, bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level, 128 TP earned. Ding! Class archer has reached level eight, stat points allocated, plus one free point. Ding! Race human, G, has reached level four, stat points allocated, plus one free point. This fight netted him the levels he wanted. He briefly considered going back for the stag now, but decided against it. The ostriches had reminded him that a beast could easily take you by surprise, and it would be quite stupid to suddenly get insta-killed by some mega-magic antler beam. He instead proceeded to hunt down more beasts in the area. He mainly found lower-leveled deer and badgers, but any kill was worth it. He got a couple of scratches here and there, the worst being when he engaged a group of four low-level badgers, none above level four. It quickly turned out, however, that there were not only four badgers. Instead, another seven were hidden in the nearby bushes, and they all ran at him simultaneously. The following fight turned out to be grueling. He managed to kill three of them before they reached him, but had to bring out his daggers for the remaining eight. None of the newcomers were above level five but he took a lot of damage as he cut them down one by one. His sphere of perception, in concert with his instincts and danger perception, allowed him to minimize the damage he took, but avoiding all attacks was impossible. He ended the fight with only fifty-six health remaining, his cloak once more blood-soaked, now also filled with holes and tears. The worst part was that the whole thing did not even give him a damn level. And to make a shitty situation even shittier, the entire horde only gave him a measly 62 TP. Most of them had been level 2 and 3, with only one at level 5, making the points given abysmal. He quickly told himself that he would not waste time on beasts too far below his level anymore. He drank a healing potion, which restored nearly 300 HP, and refilled his health pool completely. Add another question to the list. How much does an inferior rank healing potion heal? He sighed as he got up, looking at the carnage around him. Only a couple of hours had passed since he last cleaned himself, and he was now once again covered in blood from head to toe. While he had to admit he was thoroughly enjoying himself in the forest, 
He did kind of miss the ability to take a nice warm shower. He would have to bring that up with the manager of the tutorial at an opportune time.